Right, welcome to Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast, which we must stress, it's a comedy boxing podcast, yeah. so something a bit different, you because know? Because we never mention that in the introduction to no. any of the other shows. And I reckon a lot of people tune in and they think, hello, what the bloody hell is going on here? Anyway, if you want to hear all the best and most accurate uh, boxing analysis from the week's actions... Um, you know, you can go listen to another one. Because <laughs> you ain't going to get none of that shit here. On, um, hey, uh, who's that? Ring Magazine does a particularly good oh, expert boxing show. I like yeah, that Bunce's. Steve Bunce. Big fan of Steve Bunce. Yeah, Again, like if it. you want quality. Yeah, go there. there. If you want laughter. Put on uh, Dave, mate. On <laughs> TV, that channel. <laughs> no, um, yeah, listen. Right, it's a uh, nice rambly start. But I'm Richard and... I'm Garrett. Um, and we have got lined up for you this week. We're going to talk about some of the boxing news, um, a bit of silliness, uh, and we will review, obviously, the, the recent fights. Yeah, um, well, no, the fights over the last couple of weeks. And for those of you who are new to the show, we've got a regular segment called Didn't Used to Be a Boxer, where we feature um, a legend of a sport, and we talk a bit about their life outside of the ring as much as inside, really. But this week, for episode 10, we got a special one. We briefly mentioned... It last week about a hypothetical uh, sport that would be half basketball, half, half boxing, and we because we know how much Roy Jones Jr. loves <laughs> a bit of both, <laughs> and we thought, who out there, which basketball player could jump into the field? And we came up with Ron Art, well, Meta World Peace, formerly known as Ron Artest, so and that's this why week. this week's didn't used to be a boxer is going to be retitled to didn't used to be called Ron Artest. <laughs> So, um, yeah, look forward to that. But, yeah, that's uh, that's basically the introduction. So let's uh, crack on with the show. So um, for the first part of the show, what we'd like to do is just uh, look over the last news for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So uh, I know you got something. Take it away. I mean, again, it's, is it boxing news or is it just... Well, it's got boxing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it is. And, all right, actually, we do have a proper bit of news here. It's quite sort of sad, but... Um, former undisputed heavyweight world champion Mike Tyson, a friend of the show, Mike friend Tyson. Of the show. He's been a bit quiet lately. We haven't heard from him. But... Well, well, yeah. This is maybe it. He claims he's on the verge, quote, verge of dying from ongoing drug and alcohol problems. Um, Tyson, forty-seven, admitted he's con- he's been a continual substance abuser, uh, but added he is hopefully he is hopeful of finally getting clean. I'd heard that he was like in the last interviews that I heard, like a couple um, from the last few months. He kept on saying he was clean all the time. Oh, no, for, like, a good couple of years he's been saying that. And he comes out and admits, he says, like, at the moment, he's been six days without any drugs or alcohol, and he says that, for him, is a miracle. Nah, that ain't that um, hard, my friend. And he says he's basically a vicious alcoholic, and, um... That's fucked, because now he's got, like, the wife and kids. I, thought I, he was I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of him, and... You know, I don't want to make light of it, but Shane McGowan, that guy's a alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> George Best, I, I I don't mean to make light of your situation, Mikey boy, but I don't think you really grasp the real. <laughs> if you want to be a vicious alcoholic, there's depths one can yeah. sing to. If you and I don't mean maybe he means in a physically vicious, not just like oh, oh psychologically, or he's just really really. Loves. See, when I hear vicious alcoholic, I mean just somebody who really loves a drink. Just loves a drink. I was going to say on the um, drinking drugs one, let me jump in for a second and say, um, I watched a couple of days ago, there was a documentary on ESPN. Oh, yeah. We talked about these a couple of uh, shows ago. Anyway, there's one on uh, Chuck Wepner, and Wepner was a heavyweight contender during the um, 70s, and he was most famed for going like 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali. So he was ranked like the eighth in the world, but just complete underdog. 
And his story, so he explains it, is that he's the inspiration for the Rocky story. Oh, yeah. Um, Sly Stallone I said... Was Joe Frazier. No, no, no. Sly uh, Stallone had said... He'd seen this Wetner fight. Right, right. And thought, boom, wrote the Rocky character after this. And Sly would go around the place saying, love Chuck Wepner, blah, 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 blah. In the last, like, ten years, Chuck uh, Wepner took that to mean, that guy's just stolen my story. Ended up suing him a couple of years ago and got a... <laughs> he sued him in a court from uh, where Wepner's from in Philly. And uh, the court just there was the belief that if that went to a jury trial, you'd have 11 people sitting there who love Chuck Wepner because he's a massive local hero. Yeah. I would have given him a huge payout. So that's a set loud court. So did, did, did he, he got yeah, yeah. money? He got money, got paid. Anyway, well, on the documentary, the, uh, the reason I brought it up is that um, after his career, he just kind of went on this kind of drink and drugs tear, all these kind of women. He's a real, not to be unkind to him, but he's a real ugly motherfucker. He's huge, <laughs> but he's not the prettiest fella. Oh, that's right. And uh, anyway, he said towards the end of his career, he started doing like exhibitions. And one of the exhibitions was... Gunning. No, one of the exhibitions was he had to fight a bear. Literally, like, a big grizzly bear. Yeah, that's they had, ridiculous. They had these it? on... They had, like, a famous bear. come into, like, uh, American TV talk shows and, like, play around the place. Anyway, and a promoter comes along, fight this bear in the ring. So Webner gets his pants up, gloves and everything. So he got in, looked at it, and this bear was... It was like a big animal, but it's standing all fours, and it's really tame. And Webner, ding, ding, jab. Just start jabbing, punching the bear in the Holy face. Shit. Literally, like, hitting them in the nose. That's he said... He hit him three times and the bear just reared up <laughs> on his back foot and went around with shit his pants thinking, this fucking thing's going to take my head off. Those bears, they kill lions. Yeah, yeah. Shit. They're the most powerful mammal. He said, well. he punched it and then it was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. The bear just <laughs> came over, grabbed him, started trying to like bite him and stuff, just grabbed him, flung him and went and must weigh about 18 stone. <laughs> Picked him up and just fucked him straight out of the ring. Yeah, that's mental. Flying over the top rope. Chuck Wepner, have a, if you want to... Just have a bit of a laugh. I mean, Check that oh, out, it's fantastic. We're going to really go off piece now, but that story reminds me of there's this Egyptian man about four years ago, and he, during there was loads of things, he, he, he goes, I want to make this statement about... Yeah. I don't really know what the statement was, but it involved him fighting a lion. Right? <laughs> and he said, just bear, hand to hand, I'm going to fight. And everyone's like, this guy's nuts. He's a proper beefcake, massive. You yeah. see him, he's like, yes, I'm going to fight this lion. He goes, oh, you know, I do it barehanded. And everyone's going... That's that's really admirable, mate. But you will die, Absolutely. and it's just like yeah. And he talked, did it for a year, built it up. Turned out they got it. This is the biggest thing. They got this cage right, and the reports was they they fed it a whole donkey. <laughs> Right, it just fell. Asleep. It just lay down in this cage, just absolutely couldn't move. It was just like, oh. and he got in there with a shield and a spear, like something out of fucking three hundred. And he stood in there for an hour poking it. Right, the thing just couldn't even be bothered to move. It was just lying there, just lethargic. Poked it for an hour and going yeah, and showing his muscles with like about a hundred people standing around his cage. And afterwards, he just got out and claimed that man won. Man is the winner. He got out and gave his massive speech, and it was. Oh, it's ridiculous. We're Don't... definitely going to have to post the link for that. Yeah. that is... I mean, I have to find... type it in. Try it in Egyptian man fights. But the best thing about it is reading the story beforehand, it sounds so crazy. You're like, this guy is absolutely nuts what he's going to do. And then when you see the actual... <laughs> so comical, the actual like, execution. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I've also got a bit of bad news for people, uh, especially for regular listeners who are used to um, our segment where Roberta Duran gives advice. All those letters you guys have been writing in to ask him for his advice are not going to get answered anytime soon because um, he just don't have the time right now. 
But he's he's got bigger and more important things, um, or should I say, importante things <laughs> to do. Um, if you haven't heard by now, right, you're gonna hear. Ne- you're gonna hear now. <laughs> <laughs> Manos de Piedra, hands of stone, has just announced. That's right, people. He's stepping back into the ring Fuck at the me. right old age of sixty-two years, baby. Who's a boy? Guess who he's fighting? Who? He's fighting. Manny Pacquiao! No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's fighting uh, Jorge Castro. Um, he's uh, he's it's a, a tough Mexican taxi driver. <laughs> I've heard there's a lot of Mexican. Argentinian. No, he's actually he's a professional fighter. The two have already had two boxing matches late on in Duran's career. So Duran was yeah. like, I think, about 50 or something. Oh, so your man must be... The guy's, uh, the guy's 45, so he's considerably younger. He's got <laughs> 17 on, years. Man, I know. But uh, it's a rubber match, and uh, apparently, there's, there's, according to them, there's there's a lot of pride at stake. But, you know, seeing as I'm guessing, you know, in true Duran style, he's not going to be taking any chances. He's going to be making sure he's in tip-top physical condition. That's why the... Uh, do you want to know when the fight's scheduled yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 7th of September. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody's... Like got three a, days' time. Well... A week's time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's soon. <laughs> it's definitely soon. So, and if anybody's seen any pictures of our dear, dear friend, Roberto yeah. Duran, he ain't looking that trim. And He put on a couple of pounds in his later years, so to be fair oh, to say. Mate, he, he went to his... Uh, he went to the, his his weight when he was in between fights, which was about oh, about eighteen stone, that's and a, for a five foot six man, <laughs> that's a lot of weight to be breaking on. Well, best do? of luck to the big fella. The, the man loves steak and uh, and beer. I think he. That's no amount of salsa dancing is going to get rid of that belly. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that's um, that's one bit of news, and I'm going to mention. Uh, Ricardo Mayorga apparently has been calling out Antonio Margarita. You're damn right. He's been doing it on Twitter. Now, this is a fight that I think everybody wants to see. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's probably a few who don't, but we want to see it. And that's the important thing. How do they market it? What was it? Clash of the... Uh, When Villains Collide. When Villains Collide. (laughs) (laughs) Two of the most evil men in boxing. (laughs) Love them both. Um... Right, but do you want to hear what Ricardo posted directly yeah, yeah, yeah. to Antonio on his on his Twitter page? Right, okay. This is uh, Ricardo Mayorga at the real. Uh, hang on, yeah, the real Mayorga at uh, Tony Marg, and uh, what's he got here? He says, uh, "El Pedro de Tijuana, Margarito, hoy criminal, <laughs> tiene cojones. Tú eres un maricón mexicano." Do you want the translation? I'll go ahead. Hey, criminal, you have the balls to fight me? Question mark. You are a Mexican faggot. Exclamation mark. Wow, that guy, he doesn't pull any punches. I'd argue he's more vicious in uh, when speaking. <laughs> when he gets in the ring. Um, but yeah, the uh, the thing is... Um, I generally really do want to see that boxing yeah. match because I mean, it's so much fun. One thing you can say about my old guy, he's consistent. <laughs> He sticks with it, you know. Um, another funny fact is Marga uh, has a friend, I think. Basically, his Twitter page, from what I hear, it's not him who writes it. He's got a friend, and he gets his friend to type it. How good would really? that be? Just being the guy who's there. <laughs> yeah, mate, what do you want to say next? Uh, yeah, tell him he ain't got no balls. <laughs> Just... Nutty, mate. Absolute nutty. But um, 
I've got to go on because I've read. It's intrigued me so naturally. <laughs> I started scrolling down some of Marguerite, uh, sorry, my August uh, posts, and I found some other great ones. Right, um, this is another great tweet. He posted this question up, right, mm. just to all his listeners: What what s Twitter account for Russian who s fight on HBO? Golovkin question mark. So basically, saying what is a Twitter account for Golovkin? Oh, okay, yeah. He likes to call him Golovkin. Nice. Uh, Somebody replies, uh, Golovkin's Twitter name is at GGG Boxing within minutes. And (laughs) minutes, right? You see, comes and he posts this, um, calling out Golovkin. (laughs) And in fairness, the message, it's about as complimentary as I think the man gets. He puts at GG Boxing Golovkin. He says, Russian, a real man, so why you fight Spice Boy Macklin? (laughs) (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) He says, we give Tito great fight in New York, and we are ready for you. That's good. That's good, isn't it? Love that fella. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, as is... we're talking about Twitter, let me say this: that um, Curtis Stevens. Yeah. So um, basically, there was, there's some story that I can't wait. So he's a yeah, m- I've heard this middleweight contender. So we can't wait to get his hands on a uh, Kennedy Golovkin because we're talking about him. And so they're set up a fight. They're going to be fighting later on in the year, in November, in uh, New York. And uh, Stevens put this on his Twitter. <clears throat> Some of these you're going to have to explain because I generally don't understand. And he wrote, um, if I'm pissing off GGG, what the fuck you'll think you're doing to me? In And then he, this is the bit I don't understand. He put F and then four... Four stars. Yeah. Fuck, so... Uh, so in F, four in, stars mind, I'm, f- I'm getting destroyed. My fuel to my fire, my motivation. I'm going to kill GG. I can't wait to put his ass to sleep. Yeah. In F's mind, I don't know what I generally don't know yeah, what that means. F and if you're a listener sitting at home and you can explain to me a swear word because with F and then four, I'd tell you what though, he might have just accidentally pressed the star key once too many. I, don't know. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read too deeply. It <laughs> clearly means in in yeah, you're right though. Even in fuck mind, yeah, it does um, make any sense. Yeah, you're right. In any yeah. case, that fight will be coming up in November. One to look forward to. And uh, I mean, I've got to go on. I've got to throw in something now. I'm getting a. It's on topic, but it's just if Curtis Stevens, mate, if you're listening, I'm just going to highlight what you're dealing with on a wider range. This is a Kazakhstanian related issue because <laughs> we've talked about them, which is where Golovkin's from. Um, they are nutters, mate. <laughs> I'm going to just quickly mention this, okay? It's, it's actually football related, but um, it, it highlights, you know, just how nutty they are. The uh, Celtic Football Club yep. met with. Um, Shakhtar uh, Karan... Uh, hang on, I've got to pronounce this right. Karagadi. Karagadi, which is a, a Kazakh football team. And they met in a UEFA qualifier. And it's possibly the most strangest pre-match ritual I've ever heard in a professional sports team. Before their match, right, they bring out a sheep <laughs> into the middle of the pitch. They tie it down. Then the president of a club comes out with the manager of the football team. And bear in mind, this is a UEFA match. Yeah. I mean, I think they do it for all their matches. So, <laughs> but um, tie it down. They come out and they both oversee the slitting of the sheep's throat and the animal's sacrifice. Now, I could... <laughs> I mean, I like lamb, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, Petter had something to say about this. They weren't too happy, sent in quite a few uh, letters into the club saying, look, this is ridiculous. Do you want to know what the president replied? Yeah. This is a club ritual. What is the problem? Question mark. We do not waste the animal. Sheep makes good eating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is true. And then he says, this is the, this is the real coup de grace. He adds in, you are obviously a Celtic fans, 
and think it's unfair for Shakhtar's players to be given divine powers in qualifying. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even the it's nothing. The animal sacrifice, which is pretty fucking weird. You got to admit, in a professional sport. It's yeah. It's not. It's not that. If they eat it, fine. It's more worrying. I think that people think that that is going to give them some sort of divine higher power. It's like it's the fact that you've got a professional team in the twenty first century that's well, clearly being run by people from the fifteenth century. You say that they did beat Celtic. I think it was four 0 on aggregate. So yeah, two two nil at home. Um, but that's a that's a healthy belief in. Magic yeah, powers. Magic powers, mate. Divine powers, quote. Again, they did win. So they won. <laughs> and they were massive underdogs. Massive underdogs. They've never been in there. I don't think they've ever been in the UEFA Champions Well, with the power of the... Uh... Power of the sheep. Sheep god. Any aspiring uh, football players who want to break into top yeah. flight football, just get your manager to sacrifice yeah. an animal before Or if you have a degree in theology and you want to send us in an email <laughs> about what gods you believe in. <laughs> yeah, feel free to send them in. And finally... Yeah. Have you got any more news? I've got one more bit of sound. Uh, no, I was going to put that in, but no, no, we'll leave it off. Um, well, I'll mention about Tommy Morrison. Oh, yeah, If yeah, people haven't heard, okay, um, former heavyweight champion Tommy Morrison, uh, who we actually did a... You did a... Didn't, that was the yeah. first ever didn't used to be a boxing. I think it's back on episode three. We did... Um, so he was like a heavyweight contender back in the 90s. <coughs> Rocky Five fame. I think he... Wasn't he a, did he not get a champion? No, no, he was I a he was. contender. No, but close to world. No, he was a champion. Uh, Definitely. We'll say he's a champion. Well, he was, he was. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, he's he's very close to in his final days, apparently, of passing away from uh, AIDS. Yeah. So, uh, the, basically, the story goes just kind of briefly that he was diagnosed back in 1996, and he always claimed was uh, the test was incorrect. Never sought treatment. Continued on or tried to continue on his boxing career. He's like fighting in the murky world of Indian casinos. Yeah. And um, anyway, for the last couple of years, about in 2008, he was interviewed and said, "Listen, I he's talking about a comeback. He'd." Often done whatever, like plastic surgery yeah. to make himself feel better. Anyway, never saw treatment, and yeah, sadly, in the last yeah, couple of weeks, I think it's come out. Apparently, his mother um, had told ESPN um, that yeah, he's he's sort of days away. So so that's um, sad news, unfortunate. But yeah, okay. Well, I think that wraps up for the news. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll go into the reviews of the. Uh, Previous pa- couple of weeks. Yeah, past boxing. couple of weeks action. So um, we'll start off with, this one was a fantastic fight. To my mind, wasn't the um, fight of the year. I absolutely loved it. Uh, so middleweight division for uh, Daniel Gill versus uh, Darren Barker for Gill's IBF title. And um, Barker took it on a split decision, which is one of those few fights where I had exactly, pretty much exactly the same as two of the referees. They had him winning by one round. Unless yeah, exactly I, Barker I, yeah. But um, incredibly close all the way through. And... Um, Barker showing some incredible, incredible heart after getting punched in the yeah. southern plexus and looked like he was looked like he'd been stabbed. Goes down. You can see him on his hands and knees when his feet are like kicking the canvas. Yeah, I thought just, he was done then. I thought he was done I as mean, well. You, you see boxers take shots like that and they just don't. They just don't get up. They never recover. Let me uh, say something quick about him. I've heard this story the other day that he was in a, like a fight, maybe like five or six years ago, like a street fight, I should say. And um, I didn't know the details. Anyway, yeah, looked it up. Yeah, yeah. And um. For anyone who doesn't know, Darren Barker, for by all accounts, is an absolutely like completely like lo- uh, lovely guy. Had a really like hard career and has, uh, went through injuries and whatever else. Anyway, a couple of years ago, he's walking down the street and saw six guys bullying or picking on someone else, and um, you can see like the one guy being picked on was like in a bit of danger. So he walks over and says, "Listen, this guy's clearly petrified. What are you doing?" Yeah. Six guys turns on him, one cracked a bottle over the back of his head, yeah. knocked him down to the ground, and, like beat the <laughs> shit out of him, basically. 
he got <laughs> a nice lunch. £250 payout from a judge. That's a touch, <laughs> for, like a, for almost like community uh, goodness, yeah. a community reward, and said, listen, you do what most people just aren't brave enough to do. It's like, there was a, I'd say quickly, there's a fantastic article on the BBC about him. You can look at it, just type in Daniel Gill, yeah. uh, sorry, Darren Barker, BBC, and bring him up. But um, anyway, yeah, the fight itself, incredibly close. Gill, before I wasn't like it the biggest fan, but I understand now why that guy had a world title. Well, I'd say one of the weird things about Gill is, to some respects, because he has that incredibly high work rate, he's almost like a pressure fighter. Yeah. But not in this fight, because Darren Barker came out with a very apt tactic of push it back, stand in the middle of the ring, and from the yeah. first round, just go for it. And um, for me, the he reason... Just, Sorry, just, Yeah, I was just going to say, you're right, and but it was brilliant, the, the work rate um, of Darren Barker, but he, was obviously, he just seemed to be that little bit more accurate and more powerful. The shots he landed just seemed to have that... That extra bit of zip to them. Definitely, um, I think at the crucial moments you can see his technique of yeah. just being able to slip a punch and just being able to yeah. counter properly. It's almost that I don't really want to compare it to Floyd, but you know that when like a big jab comes toward him, he just times it perfectly and comes yeah. back. Big overhand right, but um, again, survived a knockdown. The last three rounds, to my mind, it was even on the um, scorecards, and it was really championship rounds. Who's going to take it? And uh, Barker took from uh, me two of the. He probably lost the last round. I think two he of definitely the last lost the last. Gil came on strong, but very close fight, very entertaining, and uh, I mean, another vintage performance from our favourite boxing commentator, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister Yal must have forgot Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> Um, I love the way he laughs at himself after little comments he makes. And not like not funny, he just like makes an observation and then just goes, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, I love this guy. Fucking. He and he also cool. loves a good low blow. Did you see that? Oh. No. And he just goes and he goes, yeah, great low blow. I uh, <laughs> just really appreciate For anyone who hasn't seen uh, the fight, if you haven't seen it, just look it up. But in round four, the, um, Gil delivers delivers just a terrible low blow on Barker. Clearly punches him square clean in the balls and there's just nothing doing. Barker walks to one side of the ring and um, the referee looks at Gil, takes him into like a neutral corner yeah. and goes, mate, just hang on. <laughs> Storms across the <laughs> ring, goes to Barker, looks at him and goes, what are you doing? And Barker's clearly he goes, back he goes keep him up. Keep yeah, him up. Keep <laughs> thinking, what, what are you doing? What, keep him up. Keep my balls up? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, just I, got... I just got punched in the balls. <laughs> What are you talking about? The best thing was Darren's uh, response. There was this moment of like, he looked and he went, what? <laughs> I looked at him like, are you having a laugh? But it was just an expression. He didn't He didn't say to him, no, I was the one. He just sort of went, well, he's got that wrong, but I'm not going to say anything about it. It's <laughs> um, fantastic. But, yeah, but uh, again, like a barker, he's a lot more precise. He's a lot more measured. He's more composed. And um, I guess if he's, I'll ask you this, he hasn't got a huge amount of power. So he's top and strong, and clearly his heart's not in question. But um, for where he goes now, so he's won this title. Yeah. There's basically Bring it two, back home, baby. Well, yeah, there's basically two options. Either he fights Matt Macklin, or he fights Martin Murray, or what? he fights... To, just earns a bit of money and fights a no-name Bella. Yeah, he can have one of them, can he? He's earned that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let him have one. Why does he fight, uh, to quote my auger, that spice boy Macklin? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they don't like each other. Apparently there was... Mm. Because they... Sh- had like six fights that never happened. They fell out uh, for whatever okay, reason. Yeah. And, and the, but the question I'd ask is: Is he going to be able to keep hold of that title if he fights either Macklin or if he fights? <sighs> yeah, Martin Murray. I mean, that was a great step. I you say that performance and his work rate. I mean, he looked like. I mean, I have to say, it looked like his legs were fading pretty bad. Certainly in that twelfth round and things, but the determination he got. In. But it was a great. Also, I want to mention afterwards when he's been interviewed, a brilliant quote. I think I've got it here. When. Uh, commentator asked oh what what were you going to do now and he said uh i want to go home 
I want to see my daughter. I miss her real bad, you know. I really do. And the crowd are going nuts. Like, yeah, I mean, such a massive yeah. thing. Oh, brilliant. And then he stops and he goes... Uh, well, as soon as the crowd's finally died down, stop cheering and clapping, he goes... Um, but before I do that, I, f- I think there might be a few beers consumed. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice but yeah, would he win? Would he beat just, just for the record, uh, Darren, if you're listening, make sure they're Sam McGurl's son, yeah? <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, no! Uh, yeah, would he would he beat Macklin? Don't want to think it question. Ever... That's a proper. I think for me, seeing that performance there, I think he would be he'd be favourite for me just to see. What do you reckon against Murray? Because Murray, I think, is tougher mm, one out of the yeah, Murray. Murray... There's a shout to say whether or not he should have beaten or he should have got the decision against Martinez when he fought him. Yeah, for yeah. For me, definitely, Murray should have got that decision. I mean, it, it didn't look like the Martinez that we've become accustomed to certainly not the Martinez who fought um, Julio Cesar Chavez yeah. Jr but uh, yeah Darren Barker looked, um, Good. looked brilliant in this fight but so did uh, Murray so, last one. I, again that would be, a, that'd be yeah. a brilliant fight but uh, yeah again for me absolutely loved it I thought it was really close and super exciting but uh, we'll move on to the move um, on. next uh, one so next British, uh, yeah should we go on to Nathan Cleverley yeah, yeah big fight Nathan so uh, not much of a shock even though it's very um, close on the things well, but um for, so, light heavyweight division, fight in Wales, uh, cleverly against Sergei Kovalev, coming yeah. in at number three, and Kovalev's knockout record is like not like 20 wins, mm. like 20 I think, knockouts or something close to it. I think I said on the last episode, when we were having a brief look, I said, um, I said, Cleverly's definitely not getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I said, he's got he's got a pretty good chin, he's a Welsh boy, you see, he's, he's a hard, hard guy, he's got good heart. He's at home. I know. I know this is a big step up in the quality of opponent he's fighting. But I was like, yeah, I just, I, I think I'm not saying he's going to win, but I just don't think he'll get knocked out. Yeah, it's another clack, classic prediction from, from Richard. Nero there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, round four, Kovalev. It was one of those strange things where it isn't like Kovalev's the cleanest puncher. He's not even like the quickest puncher in the world. No, but clearly he's in the words of Rocky. That man throws some hurting bombs because um, I guess like the biggest thing was. For me, at least, when you saw them like standing side by side, Kovalev has that—he's like built like a proper yeah. grown man. You know, the big tonk and forearms, like real heavy shoulders. Yeah. And um, Cleverly looks like a boxer. Yeah, he looks slick and slick and trim and athletic. Yeah, but, um, uh, but do you know what? For me, I think I think Cleverly boxed in the the moments you see when he is boxing, he boxed well. He had Kovalev on the back foot at points. He used his jab. I was really well. Um, it kept good distance, was moving around the ring well, but it was just when, when he got caught, I felt it was... Instantly kind of yeah, shaking, which was strange. Looks... It's, um, again, Kovalev, I guess he's got a massive knockout record. There's, there's questions of how much of that is hype and whatever else. But um, within maybe like two rounds, it genuinely looked like Clever yeah. was thinking, I don't know if I can hurt this guy. Yeah, I don't know if I can yeah, get close yeah. to actually doing a bit of damage. I know. And then, um, anyway, yeah, Kovalev ran away with it. And just... But I, I don't know if you saw also, after he got knocked down cleverly, it was like reminiscent of that. It wasn't quite as bad as, remember that Monaco fight um, in where it was like a million? Oh, yeah. Yeah, from a few weeks ago. Cleverly got knocked out at the end. Like, he managed to just get back to his feet for the 10th round mm. and the bell went and he was all over the shot, and the referee put his hands underneath oh, his yeah, arms yeah. and, like, carried him back to the corner and put him down on the floor. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, shit. That's, I love um, a referee. Again, you want to keep the show going, you don't yeah. want to end too early. People are paying money yes. for tickets, mate. I mean, Come on, I mean, it's only somebody's life at stake. <laughs> it's only their future at stake. I've got a minute no, to recuperate, don't Finally, worry. just to finish on, what I did think was quite refreshing and uh, good to hear was after, cleverly, after the fight. You know, I mean, in one way, but... 
he did say, I'm not sure boxing's for me, really. Um, he came out, and that's not the refreshing point. I mean, what I like is he turned around and he goes, you know what? I prepared really well for that fight. I was in really good condition. Training camp went great. He goes, I can't make any excuses. I just, you know, there was nothing there. I got in. I had a game plan. He said, I look back on it. Maybe there's a couple of things I could have done differently, but I think that guy was just, just a lot better than me. And he goes, and, and that's why I feel quite happy. He goes, because of that, I know... I can properly look at things and go, well, I gave it my best and maybe my best isn't quite good enough. Yeah. That's why I saw in an interview. And he's got, I think he's 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 pretty smart guy. I think he's got like a degree in... Yeah, in, he does. Yeah, I mean, and, it's um, it's an honest, absolutely, but... Uh, he's got, he can come out. He's got good boxing skills. Just mate, Nathan, mate, just make sure you don't go up against any crazy Russians <laughs> who smash people out, smash people's heads off them. But, um, uh, shall we go on to the, uh, yeah. go on to the next one, just because um, it's one of my... Uh, again, like a fantastic fight over the weekend, but um, Abner Maris, who I'm a huge fan of, was yeah. um, coming up against uh, Johnny Gonzalez. Johnny, he spelt his name J H O N Y. I love that guy. Anyway, for <laughs> Maris's uh, WBC title of the featherweight division, and I had pretty much everyone had Maris as a favourite. Yeah. yeah, Maris in his last couple of fights, and he's excellent boxer, real skill, and. Um, I was super looking forward to this one because John Gonzalez is a bit of a legend. He's got like 60 fights and like 50 wins or something. And um, anyway, yeah, round one, perfect left hook. <laughs> Maris, clink, just on the jaw and straight over. Is it, and Is it just me or in the past sort of this year, there's been a lot of shock first round like again, KOs or TKOs? It wasn't as bad there's as been, the Chad Dawson one because that really get, yeah, did come out of the blue. But yeah. the Donna Stephen... Boss who's head up. But there's, yeah, there does seem to be quite definitely this year. I mean, maybe it's just me imagining, but there's a lot of early first round KOs. And, but, um, but again, for Maris, I think it was um, unbeaten going into that. But um, for him, he had one draw, did he? Was yeah, one draw? I think so. Like 20 wins or whatever it was. But uh, it's funny, it's one of those things for his career. It doesn't, obviously, he doesn't want to lose his title. It doesn't really matter that much He's good to enough. his career. I think you lose to a legend, it's always like you're going to come back straight yeah. away. I mean, it's, it's a lesson. You've, you, I mean, you're going to... There's, 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 there's very few fighters out there who are going to be unbeaten. And I think it's an unhealthy obsession to be focused on being unbeaten. This guy, they want to fight the best. He'll learn from that. He's yeah. an amazing boxer. He'll come back. I've got no doubt about that. Uh, but, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, I'm just going to quickly talk about... I don't know, did you see the Tony Thompson-Pulev uh, fight? No. Yeah, I watched that. Um, it's it was pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, and Thompson looks really good in the first three rounds, actually, and took took a lot for me. And you're like, well, okay, controlling the ring, using his jab really well. Looked like Pulev was like struggling to work out. Thompson is obviously a southpaw, yeah. um, but the fight just sort of flipped on his head shortly after that, um, and Pulev just sort of dominated and. And went on to just take a, a comfortable decision on the card. What so, I reckon was Thompson just again? He's um, an well, Asian man see, anyway. I mean, just yeah, that was that was it. Uh, he just after six rounds, he just looked he looked knackered. And mm. the thing is, he looked in the best shape that he's been in for a while. Um, and he looked really good in the first three rounds, but just his age, I think maybe mm. his size. It's not his style. And and Pulev's a tough guy. Got a good chin, and you know just kept pressing forward. Um, that Pulev is ranked so it. high. I think he's up to like number four. So this was that fight. Bulgarian, there. isn't he? Yeah, so that fight was like a eliminator for an IBF title, which I'm assuming one of the Klitschko's has. And um, but yeah, but number four. Does he look like a number four ranked heavyweight? No, not really. I mean, he's one of these fighters. There's nothing about him which you would 
Because is he that big? I think he's only like six foot tall, isn't he? <laughs> For me, mate, he's the uh, heavyweight equivalent of um, Danny Garcia. <laughs> he's good in all areas. Got a good chin, got a good work rate, but just nothing really. <laughs> we'll get I'm into kidding, that. Danny. We'll get into that in episode eleven. Um, yeah. when we, <laughs> when we slag no, him listen, off. No, listen, uh, no, Pulev. He looks good. Good chin. Like good work rate and thing, but again, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing about him which screams out. He, World champion. He can. He certainly. I couldn't see him troubling or glitch code. You know. I guess before um, we go into um, the big last one of the weekend, I'll mention this quickly because I watched it. Uh, this is from. I just. But if you're moving on to something else, I just want to quickly mention anybody out there who watched the fight or didn't check out Tony Thompson shorts because they were like, they were. About halfway down his shins. <laughs> like the longest shorts ever with big socks pulled up. Um, and after the fight, just took him off, got into his pants, just walked around <laughs> in his pants. Um, oh, but, I but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to have that, like, they must have weighed him down. I'm pretty sure those shorts were half the reason he got that tight. But yeah. Well, uh, I've never seen a fight do that after a fight. Obviously, the way in is they get into some pants, but. He's he's a pretty big guy and he's got a big head and things. It's just it's yeah. not the prettiest look. Well, it's just odd. Just took me off guard. After <laughs> <laughs> a fight, walking on his pants, he knew he'd lost the fight. Just a dejected fighter. Yeah, I've um, seen um, in the last couple of weeks. I watched uh, Andrew Golotho. Oh, lovely. So this was maybe from about three weeks ago, and he was fighting for the uh, Polish heavyweight uh, championship. No, I think the correct term is he was clinching for the... (laughs) No, he's got a new tactic. So um, the human octopus, lovely fellow, (laughs) loves a low blow. And um, anyway, he was fighting for the uh, Polish heavyweight championship, and he's up against... Golotha now is 45 years old. Looks like a 45-year-old man. He's not a big, tough guy and whatever, but... Clearly, stamina isn't his thing. He's fighting a dude who's also 45. Some guy who's like an ex-kickboxer who is tonk. I mean, this is like a proper gym rat. Those massive shoulder muscles just covered in tattoos. Looks like a... Yeah. It looks like two bouncers. Looks, looks like a Polish person. <laughs> <laughs> looks like two bouncers just having a scrap. And that was pretty much the standard of the boxing that was going on. Right. But um, Galotha. So he's fame for... He gets in trouble... Just low blows. It's something that sparks in his mind that he can't continue on. So he's got some psychological flaw, can't continue. This time, decided, no, I'm not low blowing my way out of it. Those days are behind me. Got to round three, bit of trouble. He gets hit in the chest, bang, mouth guard, bang, straight down the ground. Referee. Well, spits out on purpose. Spits it out on purpose. So he takes the uh, Chico Diego Corrales yeah. approach. <laughs> Referee steps in, breaks them up. Walks him over and going, oh, that must have been an accident. Little did he realise. <laughs> <laughs> Puts it back in his mouth, bang. Literally 30 seconds later, straight back down the floor. And then referee this time walks over and goes, mate, come on, you know, we're in a championship fight. But this is at a huge stadium in yeah, Poland yeah. on TV. Stick it back in. Was he really tired at the time? Was he trying to buy time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, so the referee's like, just don't do it again. Boom, boom, come on, round, what's it, round four. First 30 seconds. Third, third time he spits it out. Now that the referee starts ducking a point, he did two more times. Oh the referee doesn't stop the fight. He comes up to round five. Now they've literally wasted about a minute and a half. How many points has he had deducted after? He's he just still had up. one. He only had the one because the re- referee just decided, listen, you're clearly going to keep on doing this. And then he had my favourite tactic. So he came to round five. Now he's he's not really getting beaten up, but he's knackered. And uh, the big Polish bruiser is in front of him. And then Gloth just thinks, right, one thing here. There's no way this big fella is going to be able to handle my just weight. massive weight. I'll just throw myself at him. 
perfect. Why didn't he start with that, mate? He was a king of the clinches. That's not why he was called the human octopus, mate. Get his arms around Goes him. for a big clinch. So the guy's just about to throw a punch. Big clinch. The big fella, he's fighting as a letter. Just takes a step out of the way. <laughs> like an open door. You know when Del Boy falls through the bar and only falls in horses? Oh, yeah. That exact same thing just fell. You could see him like after he missed, well, oh, fuck. Lands down, flies into the ropes, lands on the ground. He's just so knackered, he can't get back up. He's just sitting there. Oh, just, this is box name for me. And you can love that. Love that, like, that was like that, uh, was it uh, Chilamed or, yeah, Chilamed Jones, oh, that against Jones. Yeah, when he, um, there was a point in that fight late on where he fell on the floor, took him about a minute to get up, and <laughs> Leverdem's in the corner with a mutated eye, just looking at him, thinking, <laughs> seriously, man, even the, the ref, the two, like, Lebedev and the ref just look at each other and, like, go, is he, is he having a laugh? He's taking a minute to get up off the floor. He hasn't even been knocked down. That was such um, a good fight. Again, that was a real fight there. Yeah. But um, um, should we go to the uh, last one? Oh, it's a, a beauty, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a bit of a banger. So uh, Enzo Macanelli, against... Enzo Macronelli versus uh, Oville McKenzie. So um, Macronelli oh. stepping down into the lightweight division. Really good, tough fight. This one wasn't it? Swinging back and forth in action and yeah, it was. Is it is it the third? Oh no, second. It was second fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, second they, fight rematch. Oval McKenzie uh, first round. Our oh, first fight had a second round t- KO, didn't he? Or? Yeah, the referee. There was claims of the referee, or they felt maybe the referee stopped a bit early. Oh, yeah. But uh, so this is uh, anyway the comeback fight again. Really close, really swings back and forth. There's moments where Macronelli for the last couple of years has been getting knocked out a little bit more than that's healthy. Cause it, that's because he stopped taking those uh, performance amounts of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, for this one, he got a round eleven knockout against Mackenzie. Maybe he's back a... on him, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a weird stop. Only kidding. He'd... Only kidding. Just he'd... clear that up for any legal reasons. So again, it was flew back and forth. It was super exciting. He got round eleven, and uh, Macanelli delivers this massive right uppercut. Bing. It was oh, one of those weird knockouts when, where Mackenzie is literally knocked out in his feet. Yeah, like his yeah. shoulder slump, he's and he doesn't over. He's out. Yeah, he just pops up right. Yeah, kind of frightened, but um, super exciting fight. Loved it. I think yeah, the ref <laughs> stopped in just in time in that one. But that was that was a great, great fight, as you say, strong back. Well, again for uh, again like Enzo's like the taller of the two, and he kept on co- uh, coming forward. Maybe probably getting like a little bit too close at times, so we couldn't actually yeah. deliver his punches. But um, Mackenzie's real. He's like looks like again like a superhuman. He's super in shape. He got yeah. big, kind of. He landed, I muscles. think round seven overall. He landed like a cracking shot that really hurt Enzo. But like I don't know if he took quite advantage of it. Enzo managed to get his feet back under him and held on got cleared his head and just sort of came back I felt like um, yeah definitely yeah okay that wraps up for the news it does indeed okay right so we're into the uh, next part of the show again always one of our favourites and um, usually we do um it didn't used to be a boxer where you look back at the life of someone like a big name but uh, this week for a special for episode 10 this week, it's we're... Changing the title. You're goddamn right we are. <laughs> it didn't used to be Ron Artest. Brackets, it's Meta World Peace. Uh-huh. Current basketball, NBA, but a Defensive legend, but crazy really- character. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna fire this off because... Mainly because I, I really like the guy. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a bit wild, but he's, he's a colourful character. I mean, he's like... I guess for my I liken him to like a Mayorga... Not quite as bad as him, but like him, or like a Balotelli or somebody. He's just, yeah, he a bit of a, a bit of a boy. Because yeah, I'm under the impression this guy's a scumbag. No, so. he's not. This is why half the reason I want to change your mind. Um, Let on me. Come anyway, on. okay. So Ron Artest is a professional basketball player, and this one, especially any of you people 
British people out there who don't like basketball, not interested, listen to this guy. It was single-handedly converting <laughs> you over to the sport. All right, basketball player. He was in the NBA. He was born in 1979. He's six foot seven, um, and he's he has a bit of a reputation as one of, uh, if, maybe not anymore, the top defensive players, but definitely as one of the top defensive players in the league. Um, in 2004, he won the award for NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and then in 2011, he changed his name from Ron Artest to Meta World Peace. What a country. Um, well, <laughs> all right. Jury's out, mate. Jury's out. Um, and he was quoted um, as saying the decision was made because he wanted to inspire um, and bring youth together all around the world. Um, he made the point that a lot of young disadvantaged kids are exposed, certainly in America, to drugs, uh, drugs and the gun culture and, you know, with hip-hop's culture and other films that you know there's a lot of emphasis on you've got to do these things to be cool and he just said you know it'd be good to a lot of NBA players and especially given his track record of being a bit of a getting involved in some pretty tasty things he thought it'd be good to show that you know they don't have to do that that there's a there's a better there's a better stance to take maybe you could argue that he could have shown he could have shown that through his actions rather well we'll get to that maybe he does mate yeah I have to say, having said that, I, I haven't found any interviews of him talking like that. Any interview I've found of him is just like him saying, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it was like, I just don't know what got into me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is pretty funny when you see uh, all the announcers, they have to refer to him as like Meta World Peace. And it led to some funny things like, uh, world, it's World Peace on his back. And yeah. they, just, they just call him World Peace or World Peace Takes a three. <laughs> Misses. <it. laughs> anyway, run our test. He was raised in Queensbridge Projects in uh, Queens, New York. Um, and he gained fame playing at some of the uh, New York uh, City's high-profile summer basketball tournaments uh, like Nike Pro, Hoops, um, things like that in the New York and the Bronx. But um, growing up in a really rough neighbourhood, uh, Artest witnessed the death of a fellow player on the basketball court. Um, <laughs> this is a, I like this quote because it's a real understatement. Artest, uh, he quoted, It was so competitive. They broke a leg from a chair and they threw it. It went right through his heart and he died right there on the court. So I'm accustomed to playing basketball really rough. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I shouldn't Jesus, laugh, man. but that sounds like something out from Dust to Dawn, right? <laughs> Just taking a, a fucking leg and throwing I mean, yeah. Broke off a table leg and threw it through somebody's heart. I mean, who the bloody hell threw that? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so he's accustomed to playing basketball really rough, mate. <laughs> Uh, anyway, right, Ron was first drafted into uh, the Chicago Bulls in 99, um, oh. and despite admitting to drinking cognac brandy during some of the halftime breaks of games, <laughs> he still managed to make the NBA's all-rookie uh, second team in the first year. So not the first team, but not still bad. one of the top, you know, yep. top ten players getting in there. On, on the old brandy, mate. <laughs> time. I mean, that's my kind of player. That's like Jake LaMotta when he used to drink shots of brandy in between rounds. Uh, brilliant. But, yeah, anyway, while at the Chicago Bulls, uh, he was also criticised um, for, uh, get this, applying for a job at City Circuit. Now, if you don't know what City Circuit is, it's basically like an electrical goods store. Okay. Um, he did that in order to gain an uh, employee discount. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Finally, like, growing up really rough, tough upbringing and everything, loves basketball, finally gets it. He's like, yeah, I'm an NBA professional now, man, earning the good money, the cash. Uh, what's the first thing on his mind? Uh, I wonder if I get a part-time job 
Um, I'll be able to get get 20% off a mini disc player, which I think were all the rage back in 99. To be Um, fair, everyone does love cheap electronics. It's true, so, you know, you can't blame him, really, can you? But, yeah, anyway, after a couple of years with the Bulls, he was traded to the Pacers, and this is where he really made a name for himself as a defensive powerhouse, right? So, um, as as I mentioned, he was... Named Defensive Player of the Year, um, also picked up all defensive first and second team awards during like a four-year period. Um, however, he was perhaps just as well known for his crazy behaviour on and off the court. So uh, in 2003, right, Artest picked up a suspension for three games after he destroyed a TV camera at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, destroyed's maybe a bit much, but it was after the game, he's walking out and he just... See the rage is building up. He just grabbed the thing right next to him in the tunnel and just went fucking pit up and just threw it to the floor. Um, so no doubt suspended for that. In the process. No, no, it's nothing. Just a wall and just nothing down below. It's just like coming out in the tunnel, you know. Bang. Yeah. Um, he was also suspended for four games um, after almost getting in a fight with uh, Miami coach Pat Riley. Um, and this one's probably one of my personal favourite. Ron Artest was suspended for two games by his own coach, um, Rick Carlisle, after Ron had asked Rick for a month off because he was tired from promoting an R&B album for, <laughs> for, for the group Allure that was on his production label. <laughs> I love that one. Just like, yeah, boss, mate, I, c- I couldn't just get a month off, could I? I am... Um, Bush. <laughs> I mean, flat out, mate. Being up, yeah, going to do like leafing and things, and you know, oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I love the nerve and the optimism of that chance <laughs> for that one. Um, he also does other brilliant things. Like he once turned up for a uh, Pacers training session just wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> which might well be about as awkward an outfit as you could uh, wear play trying to play basketball. I mean, maybe one of those uh, giant theme park cartoon. Fluffy outfits. <laughs> that might be a bit tricky. I think I've but... walked down the middle of Shoreditch wearing one, and that wasn't easy. No, I think you have. You're right. So, see, you've already got things in common with me, mate, yeah? Just need to... There's a telly over there, if you want. <laughs> I know, it's cameras. Um, anyway, but most uh, famous of his suspensions... This was a big one where he really picked up a bit of a name. Um, he was involved in... Uh, infamous Pacers Pistons brought. Again, if you haven't seen this, type it into YouTube, because... This one is, I mean, any of you English, British football fans, anything, check this out, because it makes that whole Eric Cantona flying kick thing look like a some sort of playground incident. Is this the one I'm thinking of? I'm sure it is. This it's is like definitely, that is definitely worse. The Cantona thing was yeah. completely understandable. Yeah, this is... <laughs> he says well, it's a Man United fan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go into, basically, during a game, Ron Artest does a foul. It's a fairly, like, standard basketball foul, foul really. And one of the Detroit, Detroit players called uh, Wallace takes a particular dislike to it and he goes up just double-handed shoved to the chest knocks Ron back this was around about the time obviously I've just listed some of the issues Ron's had (laughs) seeking advice Um, so he gets shoved back all the players start diving in oh what are you doing blah blah push him back Ron calm, calm as anything just takes a step back and he goes down and he sees the announcer table, he thinks, oh, I'm just going to have a lie down. <laughs> just lie down, hands behind his back. A little bit cocky, you might argue. You see the coach comes over, pats him on the chest. That's it, Ron. You're, you're behaving well. Don't react to it. It's all going similarly. You're, you're thinking, yeah, this, we're, seeing a, we're seeing a new Ron Artest Living up here. to his name. This is, this is it. He's just he's calm and cool. And he is. He's lying there. Um, but everything changes when someone from the uh, crowd, one of the Detroit uh, fans, comes down 
just smashes, launches a cup of beer that smashes Ron right in the face, just oh. beer all over him. Like, literally, half a second must pass. Like, most people get hit by that, and they're like, whoa, shit, what the fuck's going on? Not Ron. He's just like, up. <laughs> Within a two seconds, he's over the front two rows of this thing. He grabs the fan's head, and he does what is only described as one of the best face plants you could imagine. Oh. Just, like, bang, down onto one of the chairs, and just everything goes to nuts at this point. People are diving over, and the whole thing kicks off. But, uh, yeah, anyway... After after that, um, so after he started a riot, <laughs> yeah, and it is a riot, and like the game suspended everything. But um, anyway, after that, um, Ron picked up a suspension for the rest of the season, and he missed a total of eighty six games, which is the longest suspension for an on court incident in NBA by quite some way. That's a uh, I don't know eighty six games. I was thinking of something else actually, but um, anyway, yeah, uh, anyway, a bit harsh, yeah. I th- I mean, I think... How much did Eric Cantlow get? Like half a season? Yeah, about half a season. Um, anyway, shortly after his suspension uh, was over, he ended up getting traded at a request um, to the Kings. And during a two-year period with them, uh, he picked up this brilliant habit of offering uh, his entire salary to other people. Just like, yeah. First of all, I think he offered it to donate it all to a teammate called uh, Bonzi Wells, who had become a free agent. And uh, and he did it to try and keep him, make him... Really nice. sign with the with the uh, Kings. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, he just oh. really liked him. Felt he's an important member of the team. So he just went, "I'll tell you what. If you sign, if if we can sign him, just offer him my amount of wages, just to keep him there." And when uh, Bunsy didn't uh, sort of take it up, uh, our test. Well, we I'll use jokingly added in there, but he threatened to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't if you don't uh, if you don't sign on, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, again, tongue in cheek. But then after that didn't work, uh, he then also offered to uh, donate his entire salary to retain the services of head coach. So that's another good thing. Uh, nice. His contract was expen- uh, expiring, and he offered, uh, yeah, but it didn't work sadly. So he <laughs> tried to offer his money out, and then later, uh, a year later, he Ron moved over to the Rockets. Um, before moving on to the Lakers, but uh, he signed a $33 million five-year contract. Not bad. Wow, I mean, he was, yeah, big, big signing. Anyway, in 2011 at 2012 season, he finally managed to donate his entire (laughs) salary to someone. Finally, he's thrown that line out there. He wasn't getting any bites, but he, he did the obvious thing. Do you know who he gave it to? Who's always willing to take money? Uh, I mean, apart from 99% of the population. <laughs> Don King didn't take up basketball. To- <laughs> <laughs> Don King came in. What's that? You want to give away your salary? <laughs> yeah, I'll have that, but I'm going to charge you. <laughs> if you want to give it to me, it's going to cost you. Um, no, he gave it to uh, a mental health charity, which oh, is, nice. is really, really nice. I mean, that's a massive... Bear in mind, he was on £33 million. I'm not yeah. going to bother doing the math, but that's... Six and a bit million, that's not bad. That's more, mate. It's like seven and a bit, isn't it? Over no, five years? but less. It's your math oh, for yeah. it's just, just a little bit less. You're right. Six, six and a bit, mate. Um, Very impressive, after that. Nice. Yeah, so gave it. And the NBA later awarded him the outstanding services uh, and dedication to the community, which oh, I nice. think is right, rightly, rightly deserved. He also sold and auctioned off. He later... He basically won the uh, NBA championship with the Lakers... Um, mm. And he was one of the key in the final game. He like made one of the key shots and things. But he auctioned off his uh, his championship ring, and he was like, "This is something I've worked my whole life for." But he auctioned that off to make money f- to for mental illnesses as well, which you know it shows yeah, it's, shows it's the du- as, duality. Yeah, of a it's coming across as less of a scumbag than yeah. I. Mean. <laughs> and um, 
as I was talking about earlier, he elbowed James Harden in this game after he, he dunked, right? And he got so worked up about celebrating it. He just, but in fairness to him, you see him, he lands it in. He's like this. He's a bit of a nutter. He's six foot seven. He's fucking, he's got a reputation in the NBA as being a nutter. And as he's walking off like this, jumping, really celebrating, that James uh, Harden walks up to him to shoulder check him like that. And as he's going up shoulder checking him, <laughs> you just see Ron Artest, just instinct, just goes, I ain't having it. And just boom, yeah. elbows. And yeah, it's not on, but I liken it to if you're out in the woods and, and there's <laughs> right? and there's a it's and there's a grizzly bear and he's there having a ramble, you're not gonna walk up to him and go and walk up right in his face and start rubbing up next to him. You're asking for trouble, yeah? He sucker James, elbowed some other player and oh. almost like smashed the eye out of his head. No, that was James Harden. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So but he, James Harden walked up to him while he was in a fit of rage, <laughs> celebration, <laughs> and joyous. I'm just saying, he's a big... It's like there's some things in life you don't do. I'm oh, just offending him on that. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you see a, if you see a, a fucking Russian nut job walking around, you don't go up to him and pick a fight with him, do you? You're asking for trouble. That's one way of looking at it. You wouldn't go up and just shoulder charge into him. Anyway... The reason I mentioned all of this was there's a brilliant quote. A commentator goes, oh, my God, World Peace has just elbowed James Harden in the head. <laughs> and I just think, quite funny using World Peace. Imagine getting elbowed in the head by World Peace. And that shit got to hurt. <laughs> um, anyway, the other thing, I'm going to quickly run through a couple of the other funny things he's done. He once organised a fashion shoot employing a professional model. Whole, the whole shebang, mate. Photographer, lights, hiding, hide a mansion, swimming pool, a lot. Uh, only thing is, it wasn't actually like for a fashion label or a magazine or anything like that. Nah, he just fancied seeing what it was like to be involved in <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm going to have a load of pictures of me. It's like you see pictures of him in these suits and things and him with this beautiful model. And he's just, there's no point to it. He just can't at home. He's just flicking through. Yeah, I like that one. That's um, the type of thing funny. I like. Yeah, well, he's your man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quick fire off a few of the other things he's done, right? Um, and these these things he's done at least once, right? I I, <laughs> I stress at least once, right? And they're all on the basketball court, right? He's throwing bottles of uh, he's throwing bottles of water at fans in the crowd. He's punted the basketball into the crowd. <laughs> he's thrown other players' shoes into the crowd that after they've like. come off, right? Um, he's thrown other players into the crowd, <laughs> right? He's body slammed opponents on the court. He's pulled opposition shorts down around their legs in the middle of games. <laughs> um, he's put on uh, other players. Uh, no, he's put another player in a sleeper hold in the middle of a game, like fucking <laughs> Ted DiBiase, mate. Million dollar dream. Um, he's pulled down opponents' sweatbands over their eyes in the middle of games, and finally, um, he's been known to pat a referee or two on the arse after fouling opposition. Just, you know, his little way of going, nah, you're mm. right, mate, I'm just... That one's just, not... just warming up. I like you know? that. It's just nice, personal yeah. touch. <laughs> Big <laughs> um, hands, I understand. Oh, yeah. He's, he's appeared on American uh, reality uh, TV shows like Dancing on Stars, and uh, he got voted off in the first week, um, which is, is pretty impressive because the way I read it was apparently on this show uh, normally everybody gets at least two weeks <laughs> <laughs> he came on there not weren't having anything and yeah if you want to know what Metal World Peace is up to mm. now yeah um, 
He's basically, he's also, uh, he's just moved to sign for the New York Knicks, and that's like where he's from, so it's like a big, it's a dream, it dream like move. Is it not Knicks? Is that the one with yeah, Jay-Z? That's, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the Nets. Oh, uh, yeah, that yeah, That used yeah. to be the uh, New Jersey, but okay, Jay-Z yeah. bought it out, and yeah, and they're big, they're another good, them and the Knicks are both up there, they're big. But I think Oron Artest has always been a New York Knicks fan and things, but anyway, he's going back, but... Uh, he's also he's got a plan. He's going to change his name again. He's announced it. He doesn't know what he's going to change it to, and he said he ain't going to do it legally because that's too much effort. So like, he's still going to have world peace on the back. But uh, I think he's just I think he's fed up with maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean he fought it through. <laughs> but um, yeah, the other final thing is he's also he's a big supporter of animal charities like Peta. Um, same as Shane Mosley. He, he should really he change his name to, to just change Captain it. Charity. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wants to start up a decent feud and just change his name he, to. I've got one for you. Bernard basically, Hopkins Junior. Just go for Bernard Hopkins. Name something that. Yeah, B Hop. Yeah. Or he could call himself Fifteen Dogs, right? And there's a reason I mentioned that. <laughs> he's also been reported. I saw a quote. Ron uh, reportedly normally has uh, uh, up to fifteen dogs in his house at any one time. That's got a stink. Yeah, my but friend. basically, this is really nice uh, because he works with an animal charity, and when there are these dogs that have been abused or don't have any home, and they've yeah. got nowhere to go, and they're going to be put down. Who turns up? Nice. Boom! They give Ron a call. He steps <laughs> down there. Nah, don't worry about it, mate. He's coming to live with me. Takes them. Looks after them until sometimes when they find a new home, or he just keeps them. That's why they. That's a big call. I guess that's dogs. genuinely, genuinely, yeah. really quite nice. That's a nice thing to do. So there you go. That wraps it up. That shows you the duality. How, how did you feel I about think it that's, now? I how did imagine. you feel about the guy? That's probably changed my outlook somewhat. I, to be fair, I did base all my knowledge on him on, on that one elbow. But yeah, that was cool. So uh, I guess next week we'll be back to the usual. Didn't he used to be a boxer? Yeah, back to, bo- back to boxing. No more stories about uh, Kazakhstanian football teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there might be a few, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're not basically, uh, for you listeners, we, we usually sort of look forward to the fights ahead, but what we're going to do this week, we're actually we're going to bring you a uh, episode 11 we're doing next week, and it's going to be a... F- Floyd Mayweather special. Yeah, so we normally keep them like a, a fortnight apart, but uh, Gareth's going on holiday, so, yeah. so and there's, there's and and we've we'll, we'll give you just tease you guys in. We've actually lined up an actual interview with Floyd Mayweather himself, and he can't do the the next week, so we've scheduled him in. Next week, we've, we're going to have him on the phone, live from Vegas. Yeah, before yeah. the massive one with Canelo. And uh, yeah, so look forward to that. And we've also got. Um, Oh, I've got to... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna review all the big fights, all the big ones coming up. We're gonna examine in a bit of detail Roy Jones Jr.'s rap career. We'll throw in that next week. Oh yeah, that I once said that that's the worst rap song ever. Y'all, y'all must, must have forgot. Been. Well, you're gonna find out yeah. why that man's a genius. But, He's um, a genius in the commentating terms, but when it comes to rap, <laughs> the guy is way out of his. But brain. we're gonna find out about that next week. But um, anyway, yeah, we'll be back on. Yeah, middle of will it be the. Next week, mate. Don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> He'll go up on iTunes and they'll find it. Next week, people. Same. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, Metal World, peace. <laughs>